You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week is a guitar hero of mine, someone I've had on my wall since I was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, James Monkey Schaefer from Corn is my guest today. Uh, I know we just had Jonathan Davis on uh, and we decided to do James as well because Let's face it, he's, like I said, he's been on my wall since I was a teenager, um, since I first got that first corn record. Uh, he's been an innovator uh, as far as guitar goes, songwriting, uh, you know, held everything together uh, when Brian had left the band and was, you know, handling all the guitar duties. Just a super fascinating dude. We talked a lot about architecture and creation. We threw some pedal ideas at each other, uh, a lot of band recommendations, uh, just an awesome all-around chat, uh, and I'm super stoked to have him uh, on the show. It was an honor, and uh, I don't take these things lightly. These things, uh, you know, where you get your heroes on your show, is it's incredible, and it's not lost on me. It's a very humbling experience, and to be able to just connect, like real people, just connect, uh, it's it's awesome. So thanks to James for coming on, and uh, really, really stoked for you guys to hear this one. So let's get some business out of the way, and we'll jump right in. So rockabilia.com is sponsoring the show. Uh, Pier 15 is the code. Get you 15% off your order at rockabilia.com. You can find corn merch there. You can find, I mean, we just had Pierre from Simple Plan on, uh, Dave from Sum 41. All these bands have merch on Rockabilia, and it's officially licensed from the bands 
over 500,000 items. You will find something you like guaranteed and take 15% off your order using Peer15 at rockabilia.com. Thanks to Rockabilia for sponsoring the show. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the, is the email if you want to get in touch with me. If you have guest ideas, questions, comments, anything like that. If you're listening on Spotify, please go and give us a rating. And if you're listening on Apple, give us a review and a rating as well. That stuff really helps with the algorithm. It helps with uh, chart position and just legitimizing the show. I mean, the show's been around for, you know, over five years, almost 300 episodes. We've done a good job of legitimizing ourselves, but also to the algorithm. That's where that helps. So if you can do that, I really appreciate it. Uh, We also have the Peer Pleasure Podcast Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Inner Circle. You can join that on Facebook. You can also sign up for the premium service. That's peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm where you can get the videos of the episodes. You can get the past cast and the ad-free feed. All right, let's get into this one. Here's my chat with James Monkey Schaefer from Corn. How are you, man? Good. Let me turn you up a little bit. Awesome. You know, over the years, I've had some uh, hearing damage. Me too. (laughs) Let me grab my cup of coffee. I just made it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Good to see you. You too. You guys have been with Velvet Hammer a long time? Um, Yeah, for a while. Five years. Okay. Six years. Sweet. Maybe maybe five. I don't know. It's hard to tell. The pandemic kind of like made everybody's mind jog backwards or forward. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. There's a there's a new Saturday Night Live skit about um I forget what it's called. It's like, is your brain okay? And it was all like post-pandemic questions, like super easy questions, and they That's couldn't fun. answer them because their brains were just toast from the from right. the pandemic. It was hilarious. I've <laughs> we've now moved into that phase of this. It's thing. so funny that everybody can relate to some some fucked up thing that happened absolutely and you got it twice right i was hearing yeah i mean that was easy the worry about it you know was 
part of the psychological anxiety and you know mm-hmm. that was worse than actually getting it because i what i was it was pretty bad i got it on the middle of the tour and i was in salt lake city mm-hmm. and it was a long it seemed like it was like nine or eight days nine or eight days i was in there in this hotel and uh it it was hard like from a, a scale of one to 10, it 10 being the worst I ever felt in my life. It was about a seven or eight. Jesus. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Wow. But it only, that the worst part of it only lasted until for about uh, three or four days. Mm-hmm. The first four days were hell. And then it was just like these lingering symptoms of, you know, coughing and uh, just feeling weak. And, you know, then I was like, oh God, there's nothing worse that I, I hate than missing shows, Yeah, you know, and had, knowing that the, the band had gone on and to continue doing shows and stuff. That was hard part too. You know, I try not to look at like photos and watch them, you know, I had FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> Did what tour was, was that on the breaking Benjamin tour or was that, what tour was that on? That was, um, no, that was on the, uh, stained okay yeah it was corn and stained so did brian do all the guitars no we had our friend jr come out and uh fill in for me okay i was gonna see what how he felt uh being the only guitar player like you did <laughs> for all those <laughs> years <laughs> the tables had turned but not the case uh yeah dude well well thanks so much for doing this first off um i i had jonathan on recently and uh it, your your whole your whole crew and and team is amazing I'll, I'll just say that now um and have always shown love to the show and and i have i like i told jonathan like i've been i got the first corn record back way back like i was in middle school uh it was the first record i bought that wasn't something my parents listened to um <laughs> and i bought it you know i saw the cover i was like this looks crazy like i'm gonna check this out uh, and that from that point on, everything changed. Um, but I did not see you guys live until the breaking Benjamin tour here in Portland. And that was Chino like, Hey, do you want to roll corns playing? And I was oh, like, are word, you serious? Word. Yes. Okay. So all that time I was either touring or, or doing not in the same cities, whatever it was, it never linked up. And we grew up in Alaska. That's where we got the record. That's where we first discovered what you do. And, and, um, now we played a, up there, you know. After I moved, I moved okay. in two thousand, I believe. Yes, two thousand November. Yeah, 2000. I think we played around two thousand nine, eight, something like that. People must have gone absolutely crazy because it was uh, crazy. It felt like the roof is gonna like the building's gonna collapse because it was like this convention center in Anchorage. Yeah, uh, and we played two nights in a row, so it was it was pretty fun, dude. That is probably the Egan Center. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. My high school punk band opened for Bad Religion there. <laughs> it was right crazy. Uh, but one thing, just real quick on Alaska, like Alaska, when you play Alaska, you are everybody in that room's favorite band for a very long time because no one comes up. So you're the only band that's being talked about up there for months leading up to the second tickets go on sale. Everyone is talking about Corn, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ozzy, whoever goes up there. 
it's they're it's, getting pumped. Yeah, but it's like the whole. Well, I mean, that's how that's how it was in Bakersfield where we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand the whole concept of tour until later. Once our band got signed and, you know, thing, people started talking like, you got to go on tour and you're going to go to multiple cities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. Ozzy's coming to Bakersfield. Like he must be going really out of his way to do this. Like this little town. And uh, I remember my first show was like Ted Nugent on the Wango Tango tour and then Dio. And then I was like, I'm hooked. You know, this is amazing. I love what these guys do. And yeah. I'm part of getting into Black Sabbath before all those tours came up, but yeah, everybody talked about it and, uh, it became the talk of the town before, before we, uh, before the bands showed up, you know? Yeah. It's the, it's a, it's a whole different world. And, and when you're kind of isolated like that, like Alaska, of course, is somewhat isolated, not anymore, but you know, it takes some time to get up there. It takes some logistics. The money's different. Everything's, everything is weird. But when you're in that, that mode where, where everything is, is the best thing ever, right? Like it's, it's kind of the whole point of touring where you tour to bring your, put your name out there again, like, and re replenish it. Right. But you play Portland, you play LA. It's like a blink of an eye, like, Oh shit, corns this weekend. And then it's on to whoever else is playing on Tuesday. Right. Like it, right. But there it lingers multiple options in the other cities. Yeah. But there it lingers. It lingers there. It's like this, I wish, it was almost reversed where like the B and C market tours were almost first and then move on to the A markets where everything's just like, you know, quick, quick, quick. Right. It's such an interesting, an interesting thing. I'm glad, you know, in Bakersfield, you had that experience because it's, yep. it's so important for bands to grow and for people to discover new music and really mm-hmm. like latch onto it and spend time with it. And you said your first show is Ted Nugent. Yeah, I was about 12. 1982 or something and uh, my brother my older brother was very much into ted nugent and um he would play the vinyl over and over the wango tango song and the guitar playing was just ripping you know yeah and just before that and this is before i started playing music at all or knew anything about it you know, we, we were listening to Black Sabbath albums and Van Halen records and just kind of understanding like how how do how do these guys do this with their instrument? Like how do they make it sound like that? So that was a whole a whole other journey when I decided I wanted to, you know, play music or mm-hmm. you know, my mom always had like an organ, like a small organ in the house. Okay. She she played it a little bit. She did it for fun, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember playing it a little bit and I had a cassette player inside of it so I could use it as the speakers and, you know, ruin her speakers on, <laughs> on that thing. Just blow them out. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, that's the good stuff. That's the, that's the stuff that no one, no one ever, uh, appreciates is those little, those little flecks of time and, and experience that, that turn into that massive need to create right totally like my mom would go to garage sales every weekend and buy every instrument she found on an island in alaska so we had a wall of like trombones trumpets dobro guitars that's really cool. piece of shit guitars but she just put them on a wall and left them there and we could just yeah. kind of pick them down and and mess with them right 
He was so. I have some a similar thing happening at my house right now. A little a little keyboard that it's like a you know they can tw- the kids can twist the knobs on it. Mm-hmm. We have a piano that I bought. It kind of you know just a whatever. It's just a, a banger, you know, mm-hmm. just to see if anybody any of the kids would take to it. And then I have a few guitars, obviously, at home that just sit there, and the kids will pick at it or. Turn, you know, I just wanted to experiment sort yeah. of with it and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I didn't know that, that my mom's cassette playing. <laughs> ultimately I was going to play, you know, air drums. I wanted to be an air drummer. That's yeah. all I knew. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Have you ever, is that, is that uh little organ still in your family? No, I don't know what happened to it. Mm. Um, Cause when, you know, when I turned 17, I was like, mom, I got to move to LA and, you know, I want to have a career in music. I want to be in a band. And she's like, Oh, she was heartbroken. I remember because I had studied kind of what I really wanted to do. And what in school was I was doing drafting. And then the last year of school, I was designing homes and houses. So I was like, this is, I want to be an architect. And so she was so excited because she's like, oh, architect's great. You're going to, you know, design some buildings and you're going to change the world, you know? And so she was excited about that. And um, we had a school, there's a school here in central California and they were going to apply me to, Mm -hmm. and it's a great architecture school called Cal Poly. And I did really good. That's one of the only classes I did good in, in high school was drafting and, and architecture. And so when I told her that she was, I could tell inside now thinking back to like, she was just crushed, but just kept her composure because she could see that this is what I now want to do. And I was so passionate about it. And obviously she, through high school in my room, you know, playing guitar fucking all day, all night, driving everybody crazy. And she's like, okay, you go and you make your dreams come true. That's all she said. And she's like, if you need us, we're here. Mm -hmm. Cause LA is a two hour drive from, you know, Bakersfield. Yeah. And I literally never went back. (laughs) Well, that's, we have a, we have a studio there now, but sure. uh, We do go back, but I mean, I didn't move back. I didn't go back as far as like, that was never an option for the band and our belief and our mindset was like, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We can't, we saw a couple of friends kind of move to LA in high school or after high school and move back and just, they just, it was so kind of like a defeated feeling, you know, and the, I know these guys were, they're talented. And we, we always said, we can't do that. We have to go. This is, you know, we have to have no ceiling here on our dream. Yeah, dude, that's there's so much there. That <laughs> so, for one, drafting and and the whole thing. I'm I've so when I stopped touring, I became a, a, a commercial plumber. So, when you guys come in like two years and you stay at the first five star hotel in Portland, the Ritz Carlton, we were building right now. Nice. Put that together. Nice. Uh, met with architects today. Very interesting people, but it's it's all creation. It all starts, it's the creative spark that you were into already that I find fascinating because you're starting with nothing. Right. And you're creating it. Um, Yes. And you get to pick the materials and you do have, depending on 
the building codes and the, the soil. And there's so many things that go into and I, problem solving. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that sort of thing. I like that about working with the guys in the band when we're creating songs, because mm-hmm. we're trying to fit our, each of our ideas into something that we all love mm-hmm. and can feel confident out there on stage every night when we're on tour playing. Cause there's the last thing we want to do is, you know, look over and see one of the other guys or they look over and you're just like, Oh, I hate this. You know, yeah. that's not fun. Especially when you're going to train, you want to, you want to put on the best show for the audience and uh, have that energy, that synergy between the crowd and the band want it to be real. Mm-hmm. Like Jonathan's lyrics. There's nothing that can't be 100%, you know, a unified field that's coming at this crowd. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. The, the, the just, it's just a different place, different time kind of thing. Like you, you when you're writing a record, it's a coordination meeting. You're literally just coordinating ideas, overlapping yeah. things. This riff doesn't run through this, 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 uh, uh, duct work doesn't run through this piping. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. It's all creation and that's all, uh, uh, collaboration. Yeah. It's such a cool thing, but such an interesting thing to be in. Some people can't handle that situation, uh, and, and fail miserably, but the way you guys have done it for so long and just, you know, what you've created, the body of work you've created is massive like one of these structures, right? Like it's, it's, it's all culminating from, from that creative spark. Um, right. Have you- it's, done, it's done slowly, you know? Yes. It's, and you know, they're, they're building something out here. And I, you know, I just, I see the progress because I'm, I'm kind of in tune with what's happening mm-hmm. around me. And I see these structures going up and um, it's, it's done very methodically, mm-hmm. especially if you have a, you know, uh, what do you, the, the guy that comes around and checks in, uh, inspector. Not a, inspector. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Inspector's coming and you got to have everything <laughs> the, and you got to have cleaned up. After, so before and after work, they brick by brick, you know, clean up inspector. It's, it's a slow process creating something like that, like a body of work. And it has to be, has to be treated with, it's so delicate and it has to be treated with so much care mm-hmm. because, and I, I've been telling people this because I think just in the last few years of my, my life, I think after, you know, after turning 50, I'm like, I have just a, a a gratitude that this band, cause it's one in a billion, you know, it's one in a billion that a band gets a chance like us from a small town to create something for so long and have so many fans around the world. It is very rare. Mm-hmm. And I think in the last few years, it has become like this thing that I want to nurture, you know, and I want to create and, I want to be remembered for these, for these moments of, of, you know, of gratitude, but also this body of work that we've created. And, you know, it's very much like, uh, like building a, a monument, you know? Yeah. It's essentially what you're doing. I mean, you're building something 
I talk about this a lot, but we're, we're trying to build things and make things that outlast ourselves, right? That will be remembered with where, you know, buildings, songs, records, uh, paintings. I mean, things that will inevitably outlast us unless there's some crazy disaster. Uh, when we're gone, our kids will look at the skyline and see the buildings. They will listen to the records. They will see the fans' uh, comments and, uh, you know, corn tattoos and, you know, things that 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 last like it's it i think since the beginning of time we've been trying to do that it's just and and leave our mark on things and it's you something see, you guys have done when you say that it just triggers that like the 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 little simple drawings on the cave wall of like mm-hmm. the, of the antelope you know yeah <laughs> and we're all like oh look at this look at this you know hopefully one day they'll look at paintings or things drawings and things like that are left behind and mm-hmm. have you ever seen that movie uh equilibrium no i haven't you got to check it out and anybody that's listening uh should check it out because it's essentially about that how the government takes over and they get rid of all the art and records and mm-hmm. you know and if you have that it's like um you get put in jail and so these people like you know put on little records at night when the whole city's asleep yeah it's really cool it's a really it's it's a ahead of its time. That sounds awesome, dude. I've 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 heard of that movie. I just have not seen it, and and uh, I'll definitely check it out. There's one you should watch too. It's it's called Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and it's a uh, Werner Herzog did it. It's a documentary, and they allowed him and his crew and a college um like research class to go into these caves that have been shut forever, and it's like some of the first cave drawings ever. And you'll see like wow. the real deal. Where was that? It's on uh. It's in France, I think. Uh, oh wow! I can't remember. Uh, it's a French name, I believe, of the caves. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing those and what was important to them then, like food and and things like the things that mattered to them then, was super interesting to see. Right. Like what their life was based around, right? Like someone's life was building stone bricks for a pyramid, right? that's their life like that's what they did they maybe made a couple of them in their lifetime and and then you look at now and how many opportunities we have to do some crazy things right uh, very quickly you know um it's just a it's a different time but it's all that it goes back to that creation piece that's like, cool did you ever so once you guys you know achieved some success and became uh financially stable to put it that way, did you, did you end up ever like investing in real estate or, or, um, uh, development where you can be a part of that still like that kind of, uh, like, like, uh, building development or anything architectural wise, like investing in that? Some of it. And it's been bought and sold, you know, through the years. Okay. Um, some involvement, you know, small projects. Um, but nothing worth, you know, tooting my horn over. Yeah. But you got to dip your toe. But I do get to, you know, as far as I feel like there's something that kind of satisfies that side of my brain when we're creating a stage design mm-hmm. and lighting design and how it's going to look and the aesthetic of everything. There's a, and I, I feel like I kind of quench that. A part of me that you know the wanted to be the architect kind of kid um 
making sure everything's symmetrical and mm. uh, that the songs are balanced. And it's a, you know, you want the audience to come in and feel like we've seen something and it was great to be a part of this experience, you know? Mm -hmm. That Breaking Benjamin tour I saw you guys on, those boxes. Oh, yeah. Th those were fucking cool. Those were cool. So that I so mean, you had a hand in that boxes. stuff? Hmm? Do you have a hand in that side of it? That's your... Yeah, hand? well, me and the, you know, a lot of us do. Sure. Um, but ultimately, we, we, uh, we have to figure it out. You know, there's obviously certain things cost too much money. Yeah, of course. And you can come up with the most crazy things. And then it's like, well, that's going to be a million dollars a night. Uh -huh. <laughs> if you want to do that, uh, you're going <laughs> to, your kids are going to be hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always that <clears throat> voice of reason, I guess, mm -hmm. and, and what we're doing, but you know, creatively it's, it's a fun space to kind of like work in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you, you, you still, you think you're always thinking about the music and behind it and what sort of atmosphere you're going to create. And it's similar, you know, there's a lot of similarities between creating atmospheres for Jonathan to sing over and mm -hmm. songs and, you know, what sort of experience do we want for the audience to, to walk into and yeah. feel like it's special, you know? Of course, of course. Has symmetry always been important to you since you were a kid? Yeah, I feel like yes. I'm the same way. I don't know why, but um, things have to have a balance. I guess that's just part of my personality trait, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's why I have no tattoos, because I didn't want anything twice. <laughs> throw everything off. <laughs> I can't, even in my soul, like it has to right. be symmetrical. Like it has to have Mirror. the balance. Yeah. yeah. Dude, going back really quickly to something you mentioned about having instruments around for the kids and like a couple guitars. You posted like a story on Instagram the other day of just like going through guitar cases, like just like panning across. Are those all your yeah. guitars? Or is that like Probably the band as a whole? 95% of them. You know, some of them are the, the band studio uh, uh -huh. guitars where we're shared. And Jan Jonathan has a handful of them um, that are his. And but 95% of those guitars I've accumulated through the years. Some yeah. of them are prototypes. Uh, some of them, you know, I'll pick up on the road when I'm, I'm looking for like, you know, Gibson, like this, they gave me this gold top the other day, literally yesterday. They gave you a gold top yesterday. They gave me a gold top. It's sitting over here. I'll let you see it in a second. Uh, they gave it to me and said, you know, uh, somebody put me in contact with them and I was looking for a gold top for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, a few people, you know, I go to, I, we look on reverb when we're on the road or anything that's close within the proximity. Cause you know, gear is just like constantly changing hands, I think. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I'm really stoked with it. I was using it yesterday here in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I forgot what song. <laughs> oh, so the guitar the taste the collection is, yeah. is sort of yeah. This it's ongoing, and I tend not to. I get attached to them mm -hmm. because I don't really take a guitar unless I love it. 
Yeah. And I'll hold it. And then like some of the ones that we donate, you know, Ibanez is kind enough to give, give us guitars for uh, charities and stuff. And we'll sign them up. And, you know, I, we did one for the fire department that's near my house station 99 and <laughs> they're just great guys over there. And I got, I got to become friends with one of the, one of the firefighters there. And, and, uh, so they're doing a, an auction for that. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's fun to collect them. It's fun to plug them in and, and listen and see, you know, what, what sort of inspiration it brings out or, you know, what colors it brings and, you know, and it's preference, you know, like, cause you can make the, the shittiest guitar sound amazing if you run it through the right effects and mm -hmm. reverb or cabinet and amp, you know? So I like doing that too. That's the other half of it. That's, that's fun for me. Yeah. Does it provide, <clears throat> thinking back to all the innovations you guys have done guitar wise, like making guitars not sound like guitars, making guitars sound like other things does part of that balance come in? Like when you, I'm, I'm assuming that that gold top's just a straight up six, six string standard tuning. Yeah. <clears throat> when you sit down and play that just normal, like just, just playing riffs, right. Just, just jamming. Does that help provide that balance from what you do on the other side where there's it so does. many different moving parts? It's funny because the way I was using this the other day was <laughs> I had it going through a chain of effects and through some, uh, the axe effects and then also through some other modulation and I'm like it does sound beautiful without any of that on there mm -hmm. but it's almost like well What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. 
Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. 
So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I don't want it. I want it to sound fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) And so I kind of found myself, you know, tinkering and tuning. And I was even doing this bending thing uh, that gave it uh, some unique characteristics that, that I, I think had the guys known I was going to be doing that with this, maybe they were like, Hey, wait a minute. That's what that, that's, that's not for that. You know, that tried to break the rules without, you know, harming anyone. Yeah. It's so interesting with something like guitar where there is <clears throat> technically rules theory wise on what works together and what doesn't, but there really isn't. I know you have, you have shown that <laughs> over the last I know. And, decades and looking back, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, th- these, you know, when I, when I look at things like the theory of music and I'm like, how did we make some of the first songs? Like we didn't know any of this, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't even know what a chorus was or a verse or we just had Ross going, yeah, man, do that part over there again. Play that, play the part where he sings. Now play the part where he freaks out, you know, like that's as much experience as we had, uh, putting these things together. And there, there was something, there's something so special about that because there's an innocence in it, you know, and there's a, there's, it's an unfiltered sort of journey that we were on and that people gravitated towards because it was so just pure, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially Jonathan's vocals. Like, doesn't get more real than that. Yeah. Like that's, that's, <laughs> I feel like so many people have tried to reach that bar that he's been, you know, it's like a muscle too, for him. It, he, he knows how to, he knows how to exercise it. And when to, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a real, real, very talented guy. Oh, absolutely. Very, very humble, very sweet guy. You guys all are, man. That's one That's one thing I pulled away from my chat with him was just, I was smiling yeah. the whole time. And it was like one in the morning. Like the show had oh, just wow. happened in, what was it, in North Carolina. And I was, I was just smiling the whole time. We were just talking about whatever. And it was, I was just smiling because he had such a positive vibe. You know, yeah. like you guys all have, I mean, and of course, you and I have never met. I'm all this is all from what I've seen, but just such a such a uh, a humble and appreciative, but also just a a fun vibe. Like yeah. Brian's been on twice, and he right and I on. just start laughing about whatever, like it, just, anything. Like he's so weird, and then like <laughs> so weird. Jonathan's just a sweetheart, and you seem like always kind of like the glue of the band to me. Like just the guy who's even keel and kind of holds everyone together. Like. Like the Kirk Hammett of corn, like like come on guys, let's yeah, let's do this, you know, like the before. okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> that yeah. I'm not far off. I, I I try to you know like move things along without with with care and try to consider everybody's feelings yeah. and um yeah I don't know if that's I'm okay with it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just uh love these guys so much they're my brothers so 
I, um, I can't believe, and I'm so proud of us how, how far we've all come. Um, and you know, how far we have still to go. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. So we, talking about playing there's there's a couple things to this but <clears throat> playing playing like a like the gibson you're talking about just start playing it find that balance and then wanting to fuck it up like wanting to just like change it do you find yourself doing that in other things in your life or <laughs> some things like even kill or, or like a straight shot like an easy but then you want to throw things in the way is that something like this just no. in your nature no i like to keep of the balance you know um with with other things and then i think the music and it, it lends that sort of okay this is my space where i get to do whatever the fuck i want mm -hmm. this is you know the the stage or the 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 studio this is where i get to try the things that you know i kind of save that almost like uh you know i'll write down ideas or or i'll just record little riffs and and in my head, kind of like, oh, yeah, when I get to the studio or I'm going to try this and maybe we can. And I'll suggest maybe, uh, you know, to Brian or or Ray to maybe try this type of beat over. it. So I kind of say it almost like, you know, just like a little savings account of expression mm -hmm. in this little bag and collect things. And then when I get someplace like my studio here, you know, I kind of put up, see what I got. Mm -hmm. And if I have energy to try any of it, you know? Sure. Sure. But sometimes it's like, yeah, you think it's going to be a certain way and in your mind, like most of us, the, the, the tape machine in our head starts playing what, what, Oh, I'm going to do that. It's going to be killer. And then you get, and you just doesn't translate how you thought it was going to in your mind. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, one thing I could say you guys have always had, and this, this is unique to what you do that I remember from a young age, the, cause it was part of my exposure to heavy music was you got like a big part of it besides like the black album and stuff like that. Like, right. Like, or it took me a long time to get into like hardcore music. Like it was just straight screaming all the time. I never yeah. understood it until I, I, it was a random fight with a girlfriend and I went in my room and I put on a poison the well record and I was like, I get this now. But what was, was the band? Poison the Well. Okay. Um, and so then I understood it. But with corn, like you guys were delivering so much heaviness, but there was always this like underlying warmth to it. So it was like I'm trying to think the way to, like analogy to describe it, but it, I guess it was like listening to almost like listening to heavy music in a warm bath, right? Like your body. Mm -hmm is relaxed and accepting what's happening to it, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's in a peaceful place while you're getting belted with this in, incredibly heavy music. And that's something I've never found with another band. Thank is you. that warm? I appreciate that. That's a huge compliment. And I feel like that is kind of unintentionally created because of the chemistry between all of us. Mm -hmm. And also when we're trying to, Brian and I are trying to come up with songs or riffs or whatever it might be, a chorus or, you know, there's always this kind of, we want to always welcome Jonathan into the space 
where he feels like he's going to be able to tap into that, you know, that whatever he to open that portal for him to express himself and in that comforting feeling. So I think your, your analogy of that is spot on and it's big compliments. So thank you. Well, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've given me so many hours of, of, of music, but also comfort in those times, right? When you're stressed out and you put on a record, like it, it puts you in this place that you can just feel safe. Right? Yeah. And I guess it, it does tie in too to where I mean Jonathan is safe feels safe enough to express himself. You guys feel the same way to and and also uh curating that environment for him. I mean, even the first record is heavy as hell and terrifying, but also it's that welcoming warmth. Like you listen to like uh like an like the first slipknot record or something, it's like like fuck you, like but you're not warm. You're not like welcome. Like it, it is like, it makes you want to just punch a wall. It's like, just like it's yeah. either come fight or flight. Yes. Type of album. Yes. Yeah. It puts you in that state and you're not reset. And this is nothing against Slipknot, but like you're, no, you're I'm... not in a space to receive any kind of, of, of a message except for like straight anger uh, and, and aggression where with you guys that, I mean, the lyrics are, are intense, but there's also like a vulnerability. Right. It is just like injected. Right. And there's always, there's always that, those moments of vulnerability, but then all those moments that we try to lift the listener out of and feel empowered, I guess, mm -hmm. and relate like to a lot of what Jonathan's singing about and make them feel like it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We we understand, you know, life has ups and downs and we try to kind of bring that into the songwriting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes across, man. I'm telling you, like it, it comes across. It always has. And, and it's just such a unique thing. I mean, aside from the sound being so unique, it's just that warmth, that warmth. And it could be anything. You guys could be playing any guitars. You'd still have that warmth. It's still like, it's like when you know, like, like Hendrix or, or uh, like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, it's them playing. You don't have to know the song. Oh, oh, that's a Hendrix tune it's the same kind of thing. Like you can feel that energy and it's, it's coming uh, from, you know, early on, I remember Ross telling me, this is one we did. We did a demo and stuff. He's like, your strength is your right hand. Like this. Like he, he told me, and I, I was like, what, what do you mean? Are you saying like, you know, like, you know, he's like, I'm just telling you your strength. That's all. Like use that. Like your right hand is like a machine. Yep. And just nurture that. And, you know, I, I've kind of, I kind of forgot about it, honestly, for a long time. And only recently on the last couple of albums have I really like, you know, I remember like a thought back, like he told me that. And I was like, let me try a, to kind of like empower this right hand to, mm -hmm. to do a little more. And not so much focusing on what's going on over here, yeah. but like percussive and you know, staccato and that type of thing. Um, I feel like it's helped me, you know, that's where it starts. That's where the shred starts. That's where the riff starts. That's where the sound starts. Right. Is that foundation. It's all, this all goes back to creation, man. But like, right. it's that first, I mean, it's, that's your foundation and mm -hmm. it, that right hand. That's what you're hearing. When you hear Hendrix, you hear these guys like 
that's what you hear is that yeah. that's where it starts. Everything else is just coloring that right. what you're doing with the right hand or left. If you're a left hand guitar player, not to exclude anybody, but right. uh, that right hand is where it starts. He's absolutely right. And, Ross is and, a genius, uh, man. <laughs> that guy is. I've never met anybody on this planet in all my years and all my cities and places I've been like that guy is very insightful and spiritual mm-hmm. on a whole nother level of, uh, I hold him to, to be one of the most important people in this world, mm-hmm. not just for making records. I mean, just his enlightened vision of, you know, is just the way he processes he sees things differently. Mm-hmm. He hears things differently. His sense perception is just feels a little more evolved. Than most people. He's the upgrade. He's the upgrade. How do you do? How do you do in a room with people like that? In your experience, you've probably been in a room with a lot of people that a lot of people look up to in a, for a lot of different reasons. But how do you fit into those those spaces? Do you find yourself getting that imposter syndrome, or do you feel comfortable? No, I, I'm I'm usually pretty comfortable in most situations. Okay, I, I'm I'm good. You know, I I tend to I, I learn a lot from people. Mm-hmm. I, I like to gather information and learn things, and you know, look through them later or think about them later, and kind of reflect and take take the thing like you know not that i'm trying to go down religion avenue but like i think in every religion there's something that's good there's some good message at that is helpful in people's lives and that's you know ultimately why people wrote these you know passages and books and Mm -hmm. and everything so um I'm the same way. I just kind of like listen and whether it's an album, whether it's a song, whether it's a book, mm-hmm. I just pick through and I kind of collect my little, my own little collections and uh, put them together, rearrange them in my own mind. To, that makes sense for me. You've mentioned collecting quite a bit. Is that something that's been there for your, your whole life? No, no. Just as an adulthood, just huh? Guitars, just it's guitars, just, <laughs> just guitars. I, uh, guitars and spiritual nuggets. You know, I, I information, bits of information, yeah, bits of information. I, that's right. Whatever I, you know, I can gel with. I guess whatever I can vibe on, and uh, I do have a pretty awesome pedal collection. I I could only imagine. That's something yeah. I would love to see. Is just just walk through and just kind of see because I remember getting Guitar World magazine. I was telling my buddy, my buddy uh, John, he did, he has a podcast called Brutally Speaking, and it's. I was telling him I was having you on, and we were talking, uh, and I was telling him I remember having that Seventh Heaven uh, yep. poster on my wall from Guitar yeah. World, and then try and we had we were just playing like in in punk bands and stuff, didn't have any pedals except like a metal zone. Mm-hmm. But then they would kind of like take pictures randomly of what you guys were using and 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 things like that, and that's really kind of where it would spawn my gear nerd side from right. a very early age. Was just like, oh, you can do that with that, right? Or you know, I would just be, uh, I would be interested to see just the progression, right? Like, because now all these boutique pedals, and you can kind of make anything you want now. And it's incredible it's, how that whole market exploded yeah. for a long time. 
we were, we would, uh, when we went on tour, we would literally paint all of our pedals. So they're nondescript. So nobody could see what we were using. We, you know, we thought, Oh no, they're going to, we were so secretive with the sound, you know, that yeah. we had kind of basically chipped out of stone, you know, and sculpted this, this, uh, this sound. It was so special. It still is, but mm-hmm. you know, thereafter so many bands tried to, you know, tried to something like it because they, they were feeling it, you know, mm-hmm. um, it inspired them, which is huge. When, you know, when you're, when you get a compliment from another musician or someone else, yeah, that's actually the musician. That's a big, it's a big deal. You know, it's like, wow. Like somebody came up to you that you, you know, that you admired or something gives you mm-hmm. a compliment about your art from another artist. Yeah. It, that's, that's where it's at. You know, like, wow, that's, I don't, you know, the Grammy and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's all good too. But when you get those compliments from your peers, it, it feels good. Um, but yeah, we would tape them all up and we would try to get, you know, people would be like, what is that? What are you? So for a long time, we were like, let's not tell them. And then eventually we're like, you know what? Nobody else is us. Nobody is you. Nobody is you. Nobody is Jonathan. Nobody is me. It's, it doesn't even matter what we're going to play on at this point. Cause it's still going to sound like us. Mm-hmm. No one's going to sound like us. So uh, we eventually started to kind of like, you know, tell people this is the big muff. It's the, it's the, you know, phaser 90 pedal mixed with the, this and that. And, and uh, yeah, then people started kind of trying to emulate it. It's funny. I have a metal zone uh, pedal right here. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I love that. So many, the guy from Gibson asked me about, he's like, remember that metal zone? And I was like, dude, I was the first pedal. I, well, actually it was the heavy metal pedal. Okay. Black one with yeah. the orange top yeah, on the knot. Still boss. The boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was the first one that actually Brian sold me. When uh, I, I first started to like, I got to have a distortion pedal. And he's like, I'm, I got one. You want to buy it? <laughs> I was like, yes, please. I need it. I bought it off the pan. I was like 14 years old. Man. And Crazy. Big, big muffs. Were you using big muffs on that first record? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All over. So fake. Just take fake, for example. The intro to fake, right? Yeah. Was that a big muff? I mean, we put it on it's everything. Too, it's, it's almost too too much clarity there to get through those chords like those that progression is super like busy but i was just listening it's hard to remember because uh it hits pretty hard and the big muff tends to mush everything out yeah so a lot of times we would do is get a cleaner sound Mm -hmm. for the attack and then add the big muff and pull, just let it sit in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, even when there's now, when you hear even blind, mm-hmm. the main riff, um, there's a there's a one guitar that's palm muting, but you don't hear like you hear it's just this big open. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the record, there's a a, a palm muted guitar with a slow phaser on it. And it's like. And it just does something that moves the track 
on another like kind of tonal spectrum, I guess. Yeah. There, it seems like that that little phaser like effect was on a lot of things like in the background. So yep. I, I know what you're I talking about Ross the palm would, muting. Listen, Ross, we always put that on like that thing again. He goes, it's cool. It moves it, like it, it, the, the riff isn't stagnant. It just I remember we had an old Roland uh, jet phaser. Mm -hmm. Well, we still have it. Um, and we that was one of the things that, you know, it just get a lot of depth and just it gave the riff even though the just three or four notes movement mm -hmm. even though the it's you know the progression isn't moving but the tone of it is yeah i always thought that was really cool so interesting man i i've always wondered on that because it's electroharmonics has changed the world of music there's that have you seen that pedal documentary uh, i think it's called the no. pedal movie no. Oh shit. Okay. I gotta check it out. You gotta watch this. It's insane. It goes through the history of pedals. You would oh, love cool. this thing. I it starts it. with like the the uh fuzz face and all that shit, and then it oh, goes wow. through to all these now, I know they did pedals a book. now. I know there was a couple books out yes. recently. Yes, it's called the pedal movie. Okay. Uh it's it's worth it. Just get on iTunes, you can rent it for like five bucks. Um but you would, I think you would probably watch it two or three times and you would remember a lot of these pedals and like, and see that it's really interesting. Uh, huh. But let me ask you this. I'm curious on this because, uh, so say you, say you could have, say you could have your amp, right? With like, say, say three gain stages on it. So you could have like dynamics that way. Mm -hmm. What's one pedal that you think you could make the show with? If say you, you had that as your back line, is there one pedal you couldn't live without? to, to yes. create what you do that's not yeah. distortion wise yes that is the xp 100 whammy pedal it's oh. a whammy in the wall so we've you know after when we recorded uh you know and of course tom morello when he the way he uses it mm -hmm. is just from another world you know he's mm -hmm. uh that guy's from another planet in my opinion he's just been so influential when we first started the band and um and how he manipulates his guitar sounds really kind of set the tone for us to like look what he's doing with this thing mm -hmm. you know there's so many other ways to create music can be you know it can be at just one sound we can build a whole song off of one little you know, strike above the nut on the string, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we kind of got our hands on those and somebody, you know, one of our techs, we said, go buy us a couple of those. And we were recording, follow, follow the leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause it was like, okay, let's step out and like really kind of explore. Um, record company gave us a little more money to, at that point to kind of, get in a, a studio and buy some gear. And, you know, we had, we'd been touring literally for two and a half, three years mm -hmm. um, on the first two albums, there wasn't much of a break. And so it was like, okay, let's go shopping, you know, and let's go look around for some, some new gear to, you know, that's why there's so, it's kind of so experimental a lot on that album. There's a lot of, a lot of things on, that you didn't normally hear from us at that time. Um, but that was one of the pedals. And then Brian and I got, we were so, especially with both of us doing simultaneous, you know, 
whammy parts mm -hmm. that the left and right, it was just like, it was this hypnotic kind of thing. Um, and it added to what we do, you know, mm -hmm. it complimented us on what we do. It complimented the song, you know, it was just like, that's the one pedal that if you had to, you know, if we got caught somewhere and we, we need, I'm going to keep one in my bag now. Cause you got me fucking paranoid. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the one, that's the one staple. I think that he, he would choose too is the whammy pedal because it, there's a few settings on it that we use, you know, frequently. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll tell you this little trick I figured out on the whammy pedal. Uh, there's a nut on the side of it on the foot foot switch and you can loosen that. So it doesn't have, it doesn't stay where it's at. It just flops down. Uh huh. And if you, if you, what I would do is I would stand on my D on my, uh, uh, DD three delay on the loop portion. Uh -huh. I would step up on that and like rabbit tap that whammy. And it goes like this because it, it goes, there's nothing hindering it. It can just flutter. It's Dude, fucking insane. Awesome. Try that's it. Amazing. It's cool. I will, I will, uh, I will stand by that forever because it, it, all it was is my, my pedal wore out and I never fixed it and I never had parts. I had to leave it on or off. I would work it the yeah. whole time. So oh. at ends of shows, I would figure that out. You could just tap and it would flop, uh, freely. That's it's so just like cool. this insane. Uh, anyways, it's for like textural stuff. You know, it reminds me of the, the flutter that you do with the Floyd Rose. Yeah. <laughs> where you lift up on it and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, what's his name? Herman from dragon force. <laughs> yeah. But you can get some cool shit going with that. You can, you right can play on. with that that's, if you want. Uh, that's a good. That's a good nugget of a little technique. Add it to your collection of uh, information. Yeah, I have a couple. <laughs> I have a few versions of that pedal, but that this one that seems to be the easiest because you know they changed it. Up there, there was a few versions of it where you had to actually reach down and turn it, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I can't do that in the middle of the song or between songs of. You know, I got to tap it with the foot. Mm -hmm. So then when they took that option off, I was like, why? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what mm -hmm. are you trying to do to me? And then um, it's just it become bulkier. And, you know, there's this, this one model. And then they stopped making this one model. So I don't know. Maybe you can call them for me. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them I want to make my own. Dude, absolutely. Oh. Tom would be the one to talk to about that. I think they right? just give him those like like uh tic tacs. Like <laughs> here's a box. Uh there's there's a, so you guys you guys have been touring with some really interesting bands like like uh well of course Helmet. I've had Paige on, he's great. But like Russian Circles, Brian is in another band called the, These Arms Are Snakes. I don't know if oh, you listen to them. That. You need to check them out because Ryan, uh the guitar player, Ryan Fredrickson, uses the whammy like you've never heard it's incredible the stuff he gets from that uh and what know, was it called uh, these arms are snakes these arms are snakes and I'm right. he's in another band called dust moth and they he uses the same it's his style like that's the whammy is his instrument mm -hmm. so both those bands use it very heavily but he also in between in the middle of songs will cycle through that knob and it's part of the song right. and brian's just fucking riffing hard on that bass and uh, oh, that bass sounds like a, a cement truck coming down your street. Yeah, it does. Or a train. It, I was like, yo, I remember when we did the shows with them, I turned to the monitor and I go, 
Cause he's on monitor guys on this side of the stage and, mm-hmm. and Brian, the bass player, right? Yep. He's, he's on Brian the Cook. other side of the stage and he's playing. And I'm like, and it was just at one point in the song it was just drums and, and bass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I looked at the monitor guy, I go, is that fucking bass he's playing? What is that? And he goes, yep. It's, it's just yep. him and the drummer right now. I was like, in the stadium, it was just like, wow, wow, wow. I was like, that sounds, that's amazing. It's a band of geniuses. It's a band of geniuses that are taking things and running with it. He's in so many great bands like Sumac and, and uh, like, but his bass is that electric guitar company, uh, all aluminum bass yeah. with the, with the trucker dude, trucker lady on it. That's so yeah. fucking electric, the beer belly and stuff. I fucking love that thing. But that's uh, his company. Is he invested in it? I don't know. What? Maybe. I, I don't know. Okay, because I know they're out of Seattle and they use like Boeing airline parts, and oh, wow. that's where it started. And they started handing these. Do you have an aluminum neck guitar? No. You need to try it. You can make that yeah. neck as thin or as thick as you want. It's insane. You have total control, and it's it feels so good. I gotta try. I it. think you you if you've got that made, you need to try one. Just say just say hey, let me try this sucker out. And like you could you could literally make that neck so thin what's the name of that company electric guitar or electrical guitar company huh and then uh the one i have that i had made for me uh, actually a fan of the podcast reached out to me uh and offered to build me one i was like sure called thunderbolt guitars they're on instagram uh okay out of detroit he's a welder from detroit and he makes these he he sands the necks down by hand it's incredible wow. the craftsmanship um but yeah, I would recommend trying one, man. It's kind of the new wave of things, like the sound, like Buzz from the Melvins plays them. Right, uh, I've seen him with the yeah recently when because he's out, they're out on with uh, Ministry, and I mm-hmm. have a couple of buddies in that lineup right now. Yeah. Did you check out the Deftones in SoCal? No, well, I was. <sighs> we were we were up in doing some work up in Bakersfield on an, another thing i can't talk about yeah okay <laughs> point taken we went to the opening night in portland chino got us a like a a suite uh in the in the moda center and uh just watching them come out on stage for the first time in years and seeing Pretty all funny. those nerves just explode off wow. into complete comfort what did they open up with uh ceremony i believe or genesis wow. genesis oh the, one of the newer songs yeah yeah off Dope. of ohms that was the first track and it just had this like the intro going and everyone kind of comes out on stage. Chino of course comes out and just stands there. Everyone goes ape shit. And then and he just like right into it. And you got goosebumps just watching that energy. Love that Uh, band. Cause I know they were nervous, but like that. And then watching it explode off of them was great. Um, Like hitting snow off a ladder. Like it just, Every you can't see it. You hit it with a hammer and it's just gone, and everything is how it was. It's like nothing ever happened. It was really impressive. Um, and the production, you would love the production. The stage setup is I insane. saw photos of it. Oh my god, ridiculous! Right on, ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. But uh, yeah, man, we're we're well, we're at our hour mark. Um, I I definitely want to be respectful of your time. I know you don't usually do these long form chats this long anyway. Um. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's anything else you want to touch on or man, the one other thing I had that I've always wanted to know, uh, is, is there 
do you know like of a riff that you held the longest like through multiple records that maybe didn't make it but then eventually did um, yeah <laughs> you do yeah it, it was uh well there's uh, two of them come to mind and i i had one me and me and brian or brian came up with one that was like that just made this last record on requiem which was lost in the grandeur dude i love that song which is like down 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 okay yes i and know it exactly. that right hand yes. thing yep. you know that we were talking about earlier and we tried so many versions of that and it just fell kept falling flat on its face mm -hmm. because there was like where do we go from here where do we where does this thing want to go and i kind of came up with it in the same clock with the same timing mm -hmm. bpms with this verse thing and that ended up being the verse in the song now mm -hmm. but uh it was once we had those two parts put together we're like this is gonna make it mm -hmm. so that's that riff we had literally for maybe five or six years or longer Jeez. just that simple down down uh some of the fans kind of knew they they it ended up on some video somewhere of us trying to work that out. It was called it was, the working title of it was called corn cage uh, or cage just because uh -huh. it had a rage vibe. Yeah. 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 And so we called it cage uh, with a K <laughs> <laughs> on the demos. It says cage. Yeah. So some fans were like, when they heard the song for the first time, they're like, Oh, that's the song cage, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that was, that's kind of cool. And then another one back a while, which was, I had this riff, which ended up being did my time, the descending and man, I remember playing it for our producer at the time, Michael Beinhorn. He's like, no, that's not, no, no. And I'd always play it just to kind of mess with them and yeah. stop, you know, like, Whenever we get stuck on a song and we're sitting there writing, I go, what about this? It's <laughs> a joke. It just pissed him off. Um, but yeah, that song finally made it on take a look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It was like the first thing we, we ended up, you know, writing for that body, that, that album, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I'd probably what are we so? What are we gonna play? What are we gonna write? You know? Yeah. How about this? And everyone's like, "Let's do it. <laughs> Let's fucking do it." So it, it added one of the, I think better, better tracks of that album. Yeah, for sure. Dude, right place, right time. That's yeah. that's incredible. I love that 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 simplicity, that rage simplicity of that riff. It's just so driving. It's just, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about with Tom. Like it's just you can make a whole song around this like it's just your perception of things but uh, right and you know i watched his master class and anybody that hasn't it's really intuitive um it's very out of the box thinking mm -hmm. you know some of the some of the structures that he does it's very kind of you know he thinks outside of the box when it comes to sounds and stuff and building sounds and, and stacking guitars 
but his, the fundamentals of it are, you know, you know, pentatonic based. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the way he explores the, the sounds of the guitar are so like outside of what people normally um, think as what the instrument is, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I just love that. He's a very, very smart, very, uh, very cool dude, man. Yeah. Dude, much like yourself, dude. I've I've really enjoyed this, man. I really I've been looking forward to it all week. And uh I, I love having these conversations and and just kind of picking picking your brain and, and just connecting on on a different level than than uh like artist fan, musician, musician, whatever. Um and I just appreciate the time a lot. I really do. I know an hour out of your day is is can be a lot of time for for something like this. And I just appreciate uh, you being open to doing it, and uh, and I always you know thank you for all the the music and the the hours and months of comfort and and having mm. something there to thank get you. through the day to day. I appreciate it. that, especially from another musician. It, it means a lot to me uh, that you enjoyed this in your warm bath <laughs> <laughs> with some chicken wings that's the whole thing of, right. of this show there's a whole underlying We're thing not too comfortable <laughs> uh okay well try try the whammy trick yeah check out the pedal movie these arms are snakes i got and, the oh the pedal movie that's the other one yeah, i want to write down. the pedal movie and uh i'll be at the poor well it's, it's technically ridgefield washington you guys are coming with pod uh, oh I yeah, talked to, yeah the next right. I talked to Sonny the other day, so I'll be there. Um, and maybe we'll follow up. See how you liked it. See how you like the whammy trick. Maybe you can show me because hell yeah, that's easier. Yeah, hundred percent. I want to see you do it first. Hundred <laughs> percent. Right on, James. Well, thank you, buddy, and and I'll let you back to your day. And and uh, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, dude. Thanks, man. All right, talk to you yeah. soon. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with James Monkey Schaefer from Corn. What an amazing dude. Such a fascinating conversation. Touched on a lot like creation. Uh, I love talking about that because it ties into so many different things, so many different careers, so many different things and a basic human need to create things that last belong or last beyond ourselves. Um, and to be able to do that with someone I've looked up to for a long time, uh, I always enjoy that. It's one of the cool perks to doing this show and all the work that goes into it uh, is that hour you get to sit down with someone you want to talk to for 20 years and just, you know, hash it out. It's really awesome. So thanks again to James for coming on. Thank you to Taryn for setting this up. Always appreciate it. Such a, such a special person to trust in this show so early on. And I'm glad we have not let her down. Uh, because she's been an integral part of of getting this show to where it is, and I really, really appreciate that. So, Taryn, if you're listening, thank you so much. Uh, guys, thank you for coming back week after week, supporting the show. Thanks for buying merch. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reviewing and rating and sharing it with friends and family. The numbers just keep growing like crazy, and it, it would not be possible without all of you. So I love you each and every one of you very much. I want you to do something nice for somebody this week, you know, uh, give someone a hand, mow someone's lawn, do something nice. Let's keep the positivity going. Keep that PMA, keep, keep everyone on the up and up. I think it's the only way we're going to get through this nightmare we've been living in for the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm just inspired, uh, after these conversations and I, I hope it inspires you as well. All right. I've got lots to do. I'm going to get out of here. I got a lot more of these guys to get done. So as always, we'll see you on the radio. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.